I just thought I'd do something a bit different. <laughs> Walk in. Is my hair okay? Does my hair look all right? You sure? Okay. Oh, thank you, Abby. You must be the most beautiful girl, apart from the other two and all the others in the room. <laughs> Oops. Welcome, everyone. Sorry, I, honestly, I just thought I'd just be a bit unique. And Has anyone ever walked in blindfold before? Good. I was hoping I wouldn't tread over a, a child because then, you know, we'd probably get the, someone would, would probably take the church to court or something, but it didn't happen. So, Good Friday. This is very loud. Um, so what do you do when life gives you something you didn't ask for? When life doesn't turn out, is this too loud? Like, am I too loud? Paul, could you just turn me down? I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> Usually I play and sing and I'm always asking them to turn me up. When, uh, um, what do you do when life doesn't turn out the way you expect? When you feel like you've ended up with something that you didn't sign up for? You know, James, who remembers when James... James spoke last, it was probably a couple of months ago, he told this awesome story about how his family went out to dinner and they ordered pizza and James hates eggplant, was it eggplant, what was it, artichokes, I couldn't remember, artichokes, so he orders this pizza, like seriously, it's got, it's got artichokes on it, if you didn't like artichokes, why didn't you just order a pizza that didn't have artichokes? But that's a whole other story. So he orders this pizza with, that had artichokes on it. And he says to the waiter, I don't want artichokes. And the guy goes, no problems. We won't give you any artichokes. And then they waited for like an hour. Poor, poor James. Waited an hour. And finally, James is sitting there. I'm getting pizza. Just like a little 12-year-old. And they bring the pizza, stick it down in front of him, and it's filled with artichokes. Poor James did not get what he ordered. Poor thing. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you thought you could overcome your problem, or maybe you thought you could deal with your situation or your addiction, but it's not working out how you thought. It's not going the way you expected, after, even after years and years of trying. Maybe the doctors promised you that if you had this operation or you took this tablet, you'd get better. Maybe your health, you expected your health to improve, but it, it hasn't. Maybe you made a decision about your finances that you knew would be the right one, but years later, here you are struggling to pay your bills. Maybe despite all your best efforts, all the... Everything you can put into it, there's a relationship in your life that it just hurts. No matter what you do, it brings you pain. Maybe you're trying to move forward in your life, but with every step you feel like you're not getting anywhere, like you're treading water or even worse, going backwards. Maybe you feel like you're almost drowning. You're hanging on but only by a thread. You know, when I'm in that situation... I often feel very, um, um, very frustrated, disappointed, and I know it's hard to believe, but I get angry, get quite angry. <laughs> when I'm facing an outcome that is something that I don't particularly want, I try anything and everything to get out of that situation. 
I look for any answer, any solution to change it. I love knowing the outcome in certain things. So I will do whatever it takes to get an outcome. And I try to make that outcome as realistic as possible. But I still do everything I can to get the outcome that I'm after. I look desperately for answers to all the questions. And I'm one of those people that has a million questions. I don't accept things at face value, which is good and, and bad. So I look for anything to take away the uncertainty, to fix, to iron out all the difficulty, to take away the confusion. But often, and we all know this, sometimes nothing works. And, you know, this is the same if you're 80 or if you're 50 or 30 or if you're, how old are you? Eight? Eight at school. There's some things that an eight-year-old faces that are big, that are really big, and you try everything and, and not just Talita, 13, Gracie's a teenager now. Is that right? Yeah, good. <laughs> There's things that we try and try and we just can't make them, make them better. And when I feel like that, I feel confused and I don't know which way to turn. I feel like I'm blind. I feel like I'm blindly putting one foot in front of the other, fumbling my way along, trying to go, okay, is, is, this, is this the right, is this the exit? Okay, it feels like a door. Okay, I'll go there. Oh, it's not. It's Seema. That's the wrong way. I feel like I'm blind, stumbling along, trying to find what is the right, what is the right place to put my foot. Does anyone else, can anyone else relate to that? You look for anything that's going to make you feel better, but you don't. Sometimes you just feel blind and out of control. You know, when Jesus came, went to the cross, I felt, I think he probably felt a bit like that. But in his situation, it was probably a million times worse because he knew that he was facing cruel torture and a horrendous death. Baby Jesus was born, everyone knows the Christmas story, with such miraculous promise. My goodness, he was born and angels sang, ah, in the sky. That, if that isn't significant, I don't know what is. And then as he grew, he performed um, many miracles. He set people free. He healed the sick. He raised people from the dead. Like, that is just amazing. He set severely mentally ill people who were bound for years with severe mental ill conditions, totally set free. He taught with such authority and wisdom that even his family were surprised. You know, sometimes I try to give wisdom to my family. I don't know where Emma is. And I think I'm giving them this pearl and they just go, I don't know what they just say. Anyway, they don't make me feel like I'm wise. But with Jesus, even his family went, oh, my goodness, where did he get that from? Um, and then even the theologians, even the people that studied law their whole life were bound up in this. I've got to get every tiny bit right. They said, my goodness, we can't. We can't um, um, trick him or get him. He's got all the answers. He was loved by the crowds. They followed him everywhere. He couldn't go anywhere without being mobbed. He had celebrity status. 
And he had a group of men that literally, 12 people literally gave up their lives and followed him for three years. Not like us. We just come to church on Sundays. And, but these men gave up their lives and followed Jesus everywhere. And he was loved, truly loved by those closest to him. He had relationships that were solid and pure and beautiful. Yet here he was at 33 facing a death. That, and, you know, Ben spoke about the cross last Sunday in that day and age, everyone knew what crucifixion was. It's not like us today that unless you've seen someone go through something horrible or unless, like, the horrible things of life are often hidden away. But back in the Roman times, there were crucifixions every single, there were about a thousand a year, which is more than three a day. People were crucified. So Jesus knew what he was in for. He was facing this horrible death. If anyone felt like, like they'd ended up with something they hadn't signed up for, I think we could say that was Jesus. But, you know, did he try to work another way out? Did he try to change it? Did he fight and argue and cry like I do? Did he do a Jonah and run the other way? Did he get really, really busy? And I'm sure none of you do this and say, oh, look, I just don't have time. I'm just really, really busy. And this is something that no one also ever does. Did he just sit, eat chocolate and watch Netflix? Because, <laughs> chill. I don't want to face that problem. Where's my box of Cadbury roses? Ah, let's watch The Bodyguard. I don't know. No. To be honest, in his mind, he probably tried to work out some other way because he was human. He would have looked at other options, but every time he would have come back to, this is the only way. This is what I know the Father wants me to do. I want to show you what, more closely what Jesus did. How do I work? Oh, it works. Matthew 26, it says, Then Jesus... Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. This is after the Last Supper and he said to his disciples, it's about to happen. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. And he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here. And keep watch with me. You know what Jesus did, and there's heaps of scriptures. This is just the one I've picked. He went, he drew close to God. The night before this horrendous ordeal, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, the Garden of Gethsemane is on the Mount of Olives. And you can read in the scriptures in in Luke chapter 22, it said that Jesus... Um, leading up to his crucifixion, he spent every night at the Mount of Olives. This was the place where he went to pray. This was the place where he went to be close to God. So when he was faced with this horrendous thing, he drew close to God and he prayed. He prayed openly and he prayed honestly. He didn't pray, Father, help me walk through this amazing ta- uh, task that it lies before me. I just want to follow you. He didn't say that. 
he said, he got on his knees and he cried and he sobbed. He sobbed, uh, he, he sweated blood, which is, a, which is a condition that only happens when you're so stressed. He cried, Father, no, take this cup from me. Anything else, God, please, if it's your will, take this cup. I don't want to do this. And then you know what else he did? Oh, hang on, there's a scripture for that. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. But you know what he did? Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And that is the crux in history where the angels wept but were excited because this was when our salvation when he said, not my will, but yours. Do you know what happened? This is another really awesome thing. He had to face such a terrible death, but God came and comforted him. Luke twenty-two forty-three. he pulled away from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, Father, remove this cup from me, but please, not what I want. What do you want? And at once an angel from heaven was at his side strengthening him. Has anyone ever seen an angel in this room? Literally? Samuel? Wow, that's pretty awesome. Imagine an angel coming straight away to your side, strengthening him. Maybe you hugged him. Maybe he said, Jesus, you can do this. You're called for this. This is what you were born for. I don't know how the angel strengthened him, but he strengthened him. Jesus still had to go through what had to happen, but God was with him. God strengthened him. You know, we all know Jesus died on the cross, descended into hell. He took the keys of hell and death. He had a fight with the enemy and he just snatched all the enemy's authority right out of his hand. And he rose from the dead. Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He restored relationship to every single person here. To be be honest, not many of us, in fact, I hope none of us ever have to face a gruesome martyr's death. But there's such something so powerful here that even in Jesus' darkest hour, he was showing us how to deal with difficult situations. When Jesus faced an unbearable situation, what did he do? How did he, the man Jesus, face this impossible situation? How did he walk ahead when everything inside of him wanted to run the other way? He went to God and allowed God to lead him. I want the ushers to hand out communion. You know, the crucifixion is a, is a horrible story What Jesus did was so amazing, defeated sin and death. But you know, the amazing thing about the cross is that Jesus, the man, he died. And you're going to go, yeah, obviously. His death brought about a life changer for us. You know, forgiveness of sin salvation, redemption, restoration of our relationship with God. But something else happened that could not have happened if Jesus had not died. 
I call it, because I love to be creative, the unexpected twist of the cross, the unforeseen sequel to the cross. And in my creative little mind, I like to think that the enemy didn't see this coming. The promise of the cross. However, this is Jesus before the crucifixion. However, I'm telling you that nothing... Oh, sorry, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is, it is profitable, it is good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counsellor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. Who is he talking about? The Holy Spirit. You know, if Jesus had not have died, and I'm sure everyone back then were like, no, Jesus, even Peter, when Jesus started to talk about his death, Peter was like, no, Jesus, that is not going to happen. You are not going to die. It's better if you stay because, look, you're doing miracles. You're the son of God. You're, you're like, amazing and you can, you can teach us how to be better and, and stuff. But Jesus is, don't even talk to me because God's plan is that I die because the Holy Spirit is going to come. The Holy Spirit and God promises that the, the promise of the cross is personal union with the Holy Spirit for every single Christian. In Romans 8, it says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Holy Spirit, he promises to guide us in the darkness. He walks with us. He promises to, to guide and lead our path. Just like when I was stumbling up here and Ben came, the Holy Spirit comes. When you're walking in blindness and you can't work out what way to go, instead of just going, oh, well, I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to give up. Giving up is not what God wants. God wants you to let go of you being the one that tries to work it out. And he wants you to grab a hold, to be still. To grab and to allow the Holy Spirit that you, you would sense the Holy Spirit and know Him to take His hand and to follow His lead. The Holy Spirit is not just a great idea, the Holy Spirit is not just an, a nice sort of ending to this horrible, um, um, amazing, fantastic story. He is literally the person who will walk with you through this life, which has some amazingly happy times, but it's got some gut wrenching. Stuff that hurts. I haven't got time to talk about the Holy Spirit. That's like a hundred sermons. But as we take communion, I want you to think about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Are you missing this opportunity just because you're like, no, I can do it. I can get this if I put that foot there and if I go this way and, and I'll just go really slow. And if something bad, if I hit something, I'll, that, that, that's okay. If it hurts, I'll, I'll, I'll just turn, I'll redirect. Maybe you're like that because you're strong, you're independent. God wants you to take the hand of the Holy Spirit. Jesus died so that you would walk with the Holy Spirit. You know, the way of the cross, Ben talked about the way of the cross. 
You can superficially do the way of the cross, like I'm not going to eat bad food, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to swear, I'm, I'm going to be good, I'm going to give money to charity. Or you can do the deep way of the cross, which is hard, which means you don't do the way you want, which means you submit your will to the Father and you face something that is just everything inside of you doesn't want to. But the only way you can do that Like Jesus, the only way he could face the cross was when he drew close to God and he said, Father, no, I don't want to, but not my will, but yours. And God strengthens him. The only way we can walk life and do the way of the cross and draw close to God is if we lean on the Holy Spirit. If we take the Holy Spirit by his hand and follow him, not go, okay, come with me. But follow. What, what way do you want, Holy Spirit? Not my will, but yours, God. You know, we're going to take communion and the guys are going to come and sing a song, which is pretty awesome. And as, as they do that, I just want you to close your eyes, hold the communion in your hand. And, and when you feel ready, you eat, eat the biscuit, which is the s- symbol of Jesus' broken body. And drink the juice, which is the symbol of his blood. As you do that, I want you to just open your heart to the Holy Spirit. You know, to be honest, the only way I really ever know the Holy Spirit is close or sense him talk is when I stop talking and I shut up and just be still. And just let my heart draw close in wordless almost, God, I want you, I need you. And I just invite you to do that this morning. Maybe you've never experienced the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't even really know what I'm talking about. You know, it doesn't matter because you don't have to know about Him for Him to come and just touch you. You just have to be open and quiet and still and just draw close to Him and take the bread and eat the drink the juice when you're ready.